Turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew in chapter 9. Matthew in chapter 9. It's amazing how many people worship the babe in the manger and forget about the one that died on the cross. Yet that's why he came. If you really love Christmas and you really Loved the one that died on that cross. And that he came back again from the dead. Then you and I should have the same compassion that he had for why he came. That the world may know that I love the Father, even so I do. That's what Jesus said. Here in the book of Matthew in chapter 9 and verse 35, look what it says. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. You know, I've thought about that verse a lot of times. He was moved with compassion. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And you know, the Bible tells us that he saw this before he ever made the first man. I want you to hold your place right there because I got something else I want to share with you from that verse. But I want you to take your Bible, look in 1 Peter. 1 Peter in chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and look in verse 18. Because of the compassion, and this is what he did. It says in verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain behavior, conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. Verse 19 is the reason he had to have a virgin birth so that he would be without spot. It means he would have no sinful nature so that he would live a perfect life. And the Bible says in verse 18, you and I were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, as though you could buy your way into heaven. You could pay for your sins by giving money. Or by your vain behavior, how you lived, could purchase your salvation. Because if it could, then Christ did not have to die. But because of compassion and people like sheep without a shepherd, the Bible says this, and yet it was happening before we ever had the first man on the earth. Look at verse 20 who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God had a plan before he ever created the first man. Because, see, God would have been totally shocked if he created Adam and Eve, and then they blew it. And he didn't know they were going to do that. For God to be caught off guard as though he didn't have a backup plan. He only had one plan. There is no backup plan. 
This plan was that his son would come into the world. Because God, through the telescope of time, could see that people would be like sheep without a shepherd. And so he was going to send a shepherd into the world. A spotless shepherd. A sinless shepherd. And he would come and die and purchase our salvation for us. So we were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us so that we could be redeemed, forgiven of all of our sins. This is the crux of the matter. This is what Christmas is really about. It's not really about just a child that was born 2,000 years ago. We're talking about a perfect child prophesied child that was promised way in advance. 2,000 years ago, Christ died for the sins of the world so that we could have as a free gift everlasting life. Go back there to the book of Matthew in chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Where it says here in chapter 9, in verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now this verse is important because what God saw, the compassion that he had, the need for laborers, and he says to his disciples, pray. Because it's hard for you or for me to pray for the Lord of the harvest. Lord, send somebody without me having a desire to want to go, without me having a desire to want to give, without me wanting to carry the light. So you see, he sent them in the very next chapter. But it's a plea. God desires each and every one of us to be lights into the world. Take your Bible and look in Isaiah chapter 9. The book of Isaiah and chapter 9. See there in verse 2? The people that walked in darkness. The people that walked in darkness. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 that we were children of disobedience. We walked in darkness. We walked in the flesh. We lived for ourselves. We did whatever we wanted, however we thought, and it's my life, and we didn't give God a thought. The Bible says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is that which controls the will of man. And all of our thoughts and deeds are toward that one thing. What I want out of life, the lust of the flesh, what it desires, the pride of life, whether you're talking about power, prestige, honor, we want it. And yet the Bible says that we walked in darkness. We could not really see the truth. So the Bible says here in verse 2, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. This is a reference You'll read about it in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus Christ came into the world, and the people that sat in darkness 
have seen a great light. Once I trusted Christ as my Savior, that night, sitting in a little old living room, I saw a great light. I never knew for sure how to have eternal life. I was in darkness. I was trying to find my way, but I could not. No man can. Therefore, the light has to be taken to them. God used a, a man that was really, really old. He was probably close to 50. And he explained the gospel to me. And that night I trusted Christ as my Savior. That was the best news I ever heard. After that, I started going down to the Bible bookstore and getting some missionary books off the shelves. And I sat there and I'd read them. Couldn't afford to buy them. And the guy would tell me well, how much time I had to get back to work. And sometime I'd sit there and sitting on the floor and reading the book. And I'd sit there and I'd cry. And I used to think, Lord, I, I want to be used. I, I want to do something with my life. And I'll never forget, there were so many quotes that I would read. Little statements that different ones would make. And they burned into my heart that I wanted, I wanted to do something. I've often thought, you know, what if, what if, what if I had never wanted to share the light? Just know I got my pinkies inside the pearly gate and I'm going to heaven. Let the rest of the world go to hell. I'm going to heaven. What if I never told anybody, never shared it with anybody? What if Dr. Hank Lindstrom had just said, you know, I'm going to heaven and I'm not going to share it with nobody else because, you know, it's, it's a scary thing to talk to people about the Lord. And I'm just not going to do it. What if he'd have never came to Tampa, Florida? How many people would not be going to heaven that are now going to heaven because they heard the gospel through that man? And then not even knowing how many trusted the Lord through the radio ministry or through the television ministry that he had for all those years. What if he'd have said, no, I'm too busy. It's my life. I want to do what I want to do with my life. Well, there's a lot of people that do just that. I remember one time when I was up at Tennessee Temple, I was 22 years old, going to summer school, and I was on the verge of starvation if it hadn't been for a rescue mission that I went to. And I ate at the rescue mission. I stayed there. I slept with those drunks from off the streets, those winos. I remember one time Dr. Seymour, he was down at the Miami rescue mission. And these drunks were staggering down the street. He was going to speak that night at that rescue mission. And a couple of us college kids went along. This one guy comes up, staggering, hanging on to a telephone pole and then trying to make it to the next one. And we was all watching him. He came up, got right in front of Dr. Seymour. Dr. Seymour, being a very nice, gracious man, invited him to come to the rescue mission. And the guy stood right in front of him, and he cleared his throat and spit right dead in his face. He says, there, I always wanted to spit on a preacher. I was wondering what Dr. Seymour was going to do. I'd have decked him. <laughs> Dr. Seymour wiped the spit, the slobber off his face. Yes, you did. I want to know if you would like to come in tonight to the meeting and hear how much God loves you. 
something along that line. The guy cursed him and walked on down the street. That took a lot of grace. That took a lot of grace. But Dr. Seymour was there to reach the guy, not to win an argument, not to fight with him. And that guy could have probably done anything he wanted at that time to him. And he would have just took it. It's amazing how in life we, we're not quite like that. But I did have a deep burning desire to want to serve the Lord. And I uh, went to the rescue mission and I was passing by this one sign that was in a churchyard. And I can still see the sign. Remember now, this is a few years ago, 1964. And it says, the will of God will not lead you, or the grace of God cannot keep you. The will of God will not lead you, or the grace of God cannot keep you. You have no idea the impact those words had on my life. It made me think about if God leads me anywhere, and if it's his will, then God can give me the grace that I need. So for the last, you know, 46, 47, 48 years, I've lived believing that that is true. And I have wrote down many things that have helped me. Because, you see, I not only wanted to worship the babe in the manger, but the one that died on the cross, the one that died for me, so that I have eternal life. But I wanted other people to hear it, to know it. People are just thrilled to death to receive gifts, give gifts, but many times we pass up the greatest gift of all, the free gift of eternal life, of knowing that you're going to heaven when you die. And a person who does not know for sure they have eternal life are walking in darkness. A person that is 99% saved is still 100% lost. doesn't matter how close you are. If you haven't trusted Christ, you're lost. doesn't matter how much you know, how close you may be. I was going to preach a sermon one time about Judas Iscariot, the man that kissed the door of heaven and went to hell. A man that kissed the door of heaven and went to hell. How closer could he have gotten, but yet 100% lost? You're either 100% saved or 100% lost. There is no in-between. You're not almost saved. You're lost. If you're saved, you're 100% saved, and God gives you eternal life, and it lasts forever. Some people have made decisions in their life to do something for the Lord. Let me share with you a couple of thoughts that has helped challenge me over the years. Things that I've read and heard that made a difference in my life. Anyone in here ever heard of a guy named Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor? I heard a bunch of you. He was a missionary to China. He said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. I love that statement. He started the China Inland Mission. He also said, if I had 1,000 lives, 
I'd give them all for China. For something that happened in his life, he became so burdened for the people of China that he was willing to sail halfway around the world and give up his life and sacrifice so that somebody would bring the gospel to him. Not everybody will do that. But the Bible does tell us in the book of Matthew chapter 28 that we are commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We'll reach more people if we work together than individually. But the command to the church, it's still there. The purpose of our church generally boils down to three things. Win people to Christ, challenge them to serve the Lord, and send out missionaries. That's why we have certain ministries that are for winning people to the Lord. We have some for training God's people to serve the Lord. And then we want to send out missionaries. Because I believe that's the will of God. Another statement, he said, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. Did you know that God is looking for people that are weak enough to lean on him. Because God says lean not unto your own understanding. And some people are too proud. Too headstrong. Too filled with that hard headedness. That they've got to do everything their own way. Instead of Lord what do you want me to do with my life. And they'll trust him. They'll lean upon him. They say Lord here am I. Use me. And they want to be used. William Carey. Missionary to India, he made this statement. To know the will of God, we need an open Bible and an open map. An open Bible and an open map. Lord, here am I. What is your will for my life? And Lord, where do you want me to go? He may want you to go through the radio or through the television. He may want you to pack your bags and go to this country or that country. But God may want you to reach your neighborhood. He may want you to be involved through a local church. But wherever it is, where is your world? Go into all the world. Where is your world? Are you seeking to reach the world where you are? It's so important. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the 119th Psalm. The 119th Psalm. There's several verses that I read here back in 1964, that really challenged me an awful lot. And I want you to look at that verse 9. Psalms chapter 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And I felt at that time I was a young man. I didn't know how young I was. By taking heed uh, thereto according to thy word. Look in verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If there's anything that I wanted to do, I wanted to live as righteous of a life possible. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about me. I wanted to live as righteous of a life possible. Not to get to heaven. I already knew I was going to heaven. But I wanted to do it because I was so thankful to the Lord for what he had done for me. 
there's just something that I wanted to please God. I wanted to delight myself in the Lord. And I knew I could not do that if I did not know His Word. This is one of the things that motivated me to go to Bible school to study the Word of God. Because I knew I could not know the will of God unless I knew the Word of God in order to know the will of God. And he says, he that will do the will of God shall know of my doctrine. In other words, if you are willing to do whatever God wants you to do, God will help you to find the way and reveal his will. Also, while you're right there, I want you to see another verse. Look in the verse 130. Verse 130. Verse 130 makes this statement. And it says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. The entrance of thy word. Did you know without the word of God, even as a Christian, you walk in darkness? You may know Christ is your Savior, but if you're not doing what God wants you to do because of the word of God, because of the light that's in the word of God, because of the truth that's in the word of God, you still walk in darkness. So you're going to heaven because you trusted Christ as Savior, but you're not in heaven yet. God still left us down here to live a life. And there's so much that God wants us to do. Look in verse 18 while we're right here so close. Look in verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law or out of thy word. Open thou mine eyes. Why? So that you can see. See, a lot of people who are lifted up with pride don't think they need to go to church. They don't need to study the Bible. They don't need to. They're blind and naked and miserable and don't know it. Revelation chapter 3, when he's talking to the church at Laodicea. Another quote that I got that I loved. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Anybody ever heard who said that? Jim Elliott, he was a missionary to the Aka Indians down in Ecuador. Years later, they had a daughter that came to Florida Bible College. And they'd fly the guy around to give testimonies that had killed Jim Elliott. Some missionaries got killed. I heard one story about one guy that came from a tribe and they were going to kill these missionaries. And they didn't do it. Years later, they led him to the Lord. He said, how come you didn't attack us? We knew you were around us. You had us totally surrounded. They said, well, we couldn't because there were so many people protecting y'all. They said they saw a circle of guards around those missionaries out in the jungle. God can enable them to see what you and I don't naturally see. Did you know that God has a reason and a purpose for the things that happens in our life? And you may find yourself chasing soap bubbles. You know, you blow the bubbles all over the place. And some people, that's all they do is chase dreams. And all they do is pop and leave you empty. Next thing you know, you're like the man who climbed a ladder for 20 years and found out it was leaning against the wrong wall. And you lived your whole life and wasted it. 
And now you know you're getting close to the end and you're going to be facing God one day and you're going to look back over your life that I wonder what God could have done if I had availed myself, if I'd have studied the Word of God. Maybe God wanted me to go to Bible school. Maybe God wanted me to be a missionary. Maybe God wanted... Well, another statement. David Livingston, missionary to Africa. He says, God had only one son, and he made him a missionary. Think about that. God had a son, and he called him to be a missionary. He sent him on a mission into another world. It was a terrible world. It was a dark world. A miserable, wicked world. And that's where God sent his son to be the light to the world. Sometimes God puts us in places where we don't really like. You may be working with people on a job you can't stand. And maybe their profanity and all the things that they say and do, you just can't stand it. But maybe God puts you as a light right in the middle so that you could shine. Where would you want to be? You want to sit in church all day long where there's no problems and everybody's wonderful and everybody's kind. Go to church enough and you'll find out there's hypocrites at a church. There's people that lie at church. There's people that steal at church. There's all kinds of people at church. You're here. If you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because then you'll ruin it. David Livingston also said this. If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? We have ambassadors who go to different countries and represent our country. They consider, what an honor. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. What an honor. Yeah, we call it sacrifice, but sometimes the sacrifice is giving up something that you have for something better. Because I've never given up anything that God didn't give me something better in its place. I don't care what it is you give up in this life and you sacrifice. You give up something. Do you realize what God's got for you when you get to heaven? I used to think I had plans and dreams. Well, when I used to always listen to, you know, Tarzan of the Jungle. Man, I wanted to go to Africa so bad and live in a tree house and swing around on monkey vines. Don't laugh, you did too. I used to put a towel around my neck and I'd be flying a Superman. Man, I could run so fast, I could almost feel my, I was hardly touching the ground, I was so fast. You did too. I even got some shoes for my son one time. I said, now these shoes are fast. He took off running. Because I told him the shoes were fast. And he wanted to see just how fast those shoes were. And he'd run as fast as he could run. You'd be surprised some of the things that we can think about when we're young. And lo and behold, we, we grow up to be adults, just like little puppies. Puppies are so nice, and then they turn out to be dogs. <laughs> the only thing God has to make a man of God out of is a, a child that grows up. And God wants to work in our lives. He wants to make something out of us. C.T. Studd said this. Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. A lot of people want to play it safe. They don't want to get dirty, don't want to get hurt, don't want to get offended. If you serve the Lord, you're going to be offended. And you're going to offend. If you decide to serve the Lord, 
you will offend people. You will hurt people. You know what would be safe for me? Get in my little motor home and just go from one church, cause all the trouble I want, go to the next church, cause the trouble I want, go to another church, and don't have to worry about none of that stuff. But people can say because, well, you're, you're different, and yet you're clear on the gospel, and yet you teach the Bible, somebody, then why doesn't everybody love it? Did you know when Jesus was here, the best teacher in all the world, and he said something one day that offended them. And though they left. So Jesus turned to his disciples. And he says, will you also go away? And he said to them, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. For we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Some people will believe what you're saying is truth. And other people care less. Some people play games. Some people are serious. Some people want to know what the Word of God says. They want to be challenged. They want to be motivated. But it's so easy just to settle out into the world. Ruffle no feathers. Don't rock the boat. But that's not how God made me. And I don't believe that's how God wants to use me. I have to rock the boat and I have to. I want to make people think. Life's too short for just playing games. Another man said this, C.T. Studd, by the way, he said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Listen to what he said. This is why a guy goes to the foreign fields. Because, he said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. He bought me. I belong to him. He deserves everything that I have, everything that I am. Why would I want to hold back? 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then all were dead, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. So that I should, from this point on, I should serve the Lord. Because of his love for me. And my love for him. And there's nothing that he should require of me. That I shouldn't be willing to give. Even my life. Whatever it might be. Oswald J. Smith. Supported thousands of missionaries. Had a great work up in Ontario. He said no one. Has the right to hear the gospel twice. While there remains someone who's never heard it once. No one has the right to hear the gospel twice, for there remains someone who has not heard it once. What about the people that have never heard the gospel? Another statement, unknown. He said, we talk of the second coming. Half of the world has never heard of the first. Do you know you can get so caught up and all you think about is the second coming of Christ that you forget to tell people about the first coming of Christ? I love prophecy. I love prophecy as much as any man I know. But prophecy to me challenges and motivates me to be evangelistic. That's why we want the radio. That's why we want the internet. That's why we want to produce kids that know how to serve the Lord. That's why we want a Bible college. That's why we want the Bible Line Institute so we can train people on how to do the job. Not a game to me. It's serious. 
And you can try to understand all the prophecies you want to. I don't care what day Christ is coming back. I don't even care the day he was born as far as celebrating it. I don't care if it was on December the 25th. I don't care if it was on my birthday, February the 4th. I don't care if it was on your day. I don't care what day he was born. I'm just thankful he was born and that he died and paid for my sins and came back from the dead. You won't find a verse in the Bible that says to celebrate the birth of Christ, but I don't see anything wrong with doing it. I'm looking forward to him coming back, yes, but I don't want to forget. There's some people that's never heard that he came the first time. And that's what they need to hear. The reason some folks don't believe in missions is that their brand of religion they have isn't worth propagating. Do you believe that what you believe is worth telling people about? Do you or don't you? Do you believe that what you believe is worth telling people about? Do you believe it's worth being ashamed that people are going to offend you or you're going to offend somebody that you're willing to go ahead and do it anyway because you believe that it's so important? What do you believe? Every man has to answer this own question because you're going to live according to what you truly believe. People who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they have wasted. Do you realize that all the time that you have lived after you trusted Christ as your Savior, you will give account to that just like a missionary will? Everybody has to give an account. But it'll be better that whenever you stand before the Lord, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I called you to go here, and you went. Or maybe God will have to say, you know, I called you. I spoke to you. I spoke to you many times. You sat there in that church service, and you heard that preacher pour out his heart. And you knew that I wanted you to do thus and thus. And you refused. You refused because you were afraid. You were scared. The true greatness of any church is not how many it seats, but how many it sends. Not how many it seats, but how many it sends. This is why I want people, if they listen to me long enough, I want them to be challenged to serve the Lord. And if necessary, yes, to go to Bible school. Now you take that little girl sitting there, sitting right there, Rachel. One of the sharpest girls we have in this whole ministry. But I'm thrilled that she wants to go to Bible school. I was thrilled when every week we'd have old Angel come and he'd sit right down here. Every service he'd ask me questions. I said, you ought to go to Bible school. And every week he still calls me up and asks me, he says, what do you think about this and this? And I says, what did your teachers tell you? Well, they said this, but I want to know what you think. I said, I'm not going to tell you. I said, you study it. That's what you went to Bible school for. I said, you're just trying to get a shortcut to some of the answers. <laughs> Does it every week. Every week. Sometimes two and three times a week. But you know, if, if he keeps on saying, you know, God's going to use that little fella. He's going he to be dynamic. Somebody's going to get him. He's going to go somewhere and do something. 
but I believe that he, he's preparing. Another point I wanted to give to you, and that is this. Never pity missionaries. Envy them. They are where the real action is, where life and death, sin and grace, heaven and hell converge. Isn't that good? I love it. In no other way can the believer become as fully involved with God's work, especially the work of world evangelism, as an intercessory prayer. I want to read something else to you about the prayer thing, because remember when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors. We can reach our world if we will. The greatest lack today is not people or funds. The greatest need is prayer. People praying that God will use them. And because of that, they make themselves fit for the ministry. Most people are not fit for the ministry. They're not fit to serve the Lord. They couldn't become a missionary if they wanted to. They couldn't become a pastor if they wanted to. They couldn't become an evangelist if they wanted to because they will not watch and garden their lives. They won't practice what they preach because too many are hypocritical. So easy to say, oh, I love the Lord and live like the devil. If the God that I know that wrote this book, if you don't live a godly life, you don't love the Lord. You may know him as your Savior. You'll go to heaven, but you don't love him. You can't love him without obeying him. Because he says, if any man love me, keep my word. You really love him. You'll keep his word. You'll do what God wants you to do with your life. You may love your life too much to serve him, to sacrifice. Another statement. The history of missions is the history of answered prayer. Another man stated it this way. I believe that in each generation God has called enough men and women to evangelize all the yet unreached tribes of the earth. It is not God who does not call. It is man who will not respond. Do you believe that God would give us an impossible task? It's not that God hasn't asked people to go, to study his word, to be something, to do something else with their life. It's just that people won't answer the call. God says, I want you to go to here. He says, I ain't going. I want you to go there. I'm not going. Kind of like this coach one time. He coaching his football team. and The fullback got creamed. They had to drag him off the field. Coach hollered, give Leroy the ball. Next play, another guy got the ball. He got creamed. Drug him off the field. Coach hollered, give Leroy the ball. They gave the ball to somebody else. He got creamed. The coach said, I said, give the ball to Leroy. And the quarterback hollered back, Leroy don't want the ball. Leroy don't want the ball. Price to pay. The best remedy for a sick church is to put it on a missionary diet. The church must send or the church will end. Isn't that a good statement? Because that's the purpose of the church. Let's just pretend for a moment there are no other churches. 
We are the only church in the world. Will the world hear the gospel because of us? There is no other church. And only missionaries that will ever go into this world are the ones that are sitting right here. If we don't have a radio broadcast, nobody else will because there is nobody else. If we don't send out missionaries, there won't be any missionaries because there is nobody else. You know what we always say? Well, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. But you need to ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? And make sure that you're doing what God wants you to do. You'd be surprised what God may have you do, where God may want you to go. Don't underestimate God. Don't even underestimate what God can do for you and through you. He said, well, I can't see down the road how God, you don't have to. Just prepare to be used. Opportunities are on wheels. And a prepared man can take advantage of opportunities. But when the opportunities come and you're not prepared, you'll be standing on the sideline. And maybe God will put you on a shelf because he can't use you. Because you wouldn't prepare. You see, you have to have a vision. You have to care. You have to have that compassion. I can't make people do anything. I only want to try to provide an environment that makes you thirsty. See, that's what salt does. Salt causes people to be thirsty. And it preserves you. Helps you to keep your life clean. So that you don't become defiled. So that the meat doesn't rotten. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. If it's not us, then who is it? This is what I believe Christmas is all about. See, that's the strangest Christmas story I've ever heard. Well, it's where my heart is. And either we do this and people respond, or you don't need a guy like me. You don't need somebody like me. You can get a preacher to play patty cake with you. That's not my job. I want to see things happen. I'm not here to twiddle out my years in retirement. I've only got a few good years left. And I promise those to God. And I want to be used. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me. And you need to learn how to do this too. This is you and me and this is sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. But he hates our sin. But he loves us. He loves you. Hates what you do wrong. And to pay for that wrong, God says it's eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But he loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We have all sinned and come short of the perfection of God. But God loves us. And he says we're like sheep going astray. We have no shepherd. Every man goes his own way, does his own thing. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world.
because he loves us. Hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all the sin of all the world and paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead. And God said, if you and I would believe that he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did. When I sat at Florida Bible College and I would watch Ray Stanford do this little wallet trick, I thought, he ain't so great. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. If you sit here long enough and you listen, you say, he ain't so great. I can do that. Ray was copyable. You could copy the guy. Hank copied him. I copied him. Thousands of others copied him. He was a man that never went to Bible college. He just trusted the Lord when he was old. Decided to serve the Lord. And just taught people how to trust Christ as Savior. How to make the gospel clear. I just want to be copyable. I want to be so simple you can sit there and listen to yourself thinking in your mind, he ain't so great. I can do that. That's right. You can. And you should. Because that's what it's all about. The reason I don't throw Hebrew and Greek on you is because I don't know it. I don't care to know it. I'm having a hard enough time with King James. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here today and you never trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you've heard about it all your life, but you never understood. I want you to understand God loves you. He paid for your sins, and he said if you would believe he did it for you, he would give you as a free gift everlasting life. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. Sin preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip in real quickly and just put it right back down? Yes, God bless you, hon. Anyone else? You can put it down. God bless you. Anyone who trusts the Lord, God saves, gives them eternal life. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And Father, for the one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust you as Savior, that Father, you guarantee eternal life as a free gift. And that person can know that they're going to heaven because of what you did for them. Bless each one here. And Father, we just ask your blessings upon us during this Christmas time of year and that you'd help each one of us to realize how important it is to let people know about the first coming more than the second. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.